Welcome to the Picture Book Look Podcast. I'm Kim Chafee. And I'm Kirstie Call. Together, we'll share some of our favorite picture books and chat with their creators to explore the journey from story idea to bookshelf. We'd love you to join us as we take a picture book look. Feeling stuck in your creative journey? Needing to change your narrative? Everything you want is possible. As a therapist-trained life coach for creatives, I'm excited to help authors like you create clarity and build self-confidence so you can achieve your dreams. Kirstie can help you get the drama out of your life and into your art. Visit kirstiencall.com. That's K-I-R-S-T-I-N-E-C-A-L-L.com and register for a free consultation today. Hooray! I can't wait for us to work together to get you where you want to be. Hey, Kirsty. Hey, Kim. Have you ever had to pack up and move to a different home? Actually, yes. I moved five times by the time I was 18. And I know it's a lot, right? A lot. (laughs) I always looked at it as an opportunity for an adventure and to change my reputation from nerdy to cool. (laughs) but it never worked it totally never worked (laughs) oh come on I think you're cool oh well thank you you're totally cool (laughs) how long did it take for your new house to feel like a home it actually didn't take any time at all because I was with my family Hmm, that makes sense in The Little House of Hope by Terry Katasus Jennings and illustrated by Raul Cologne, we learn that the true meaning of home is a special place where people are welcomed and loved we are excited to talk with Terry, Raul, their editor, Neil Porter, and book designer, Jennifer Brown. Let's get started. Terry, what was the inspiration behind this powerful story? This was a book that I had to write. Uh, There was a a realtor friend of mine, and he once told me, he said, "Um, don't ever rent to Mexicans because they live four families to a house, and they tear up the house. And I went, Ooh, how could you say that to me? But, you know, Mm. um, I'm the kind of person that chews on things and chews on things. And I stewed for a long time over this. You know, how could he say that? But then, you know, I'm kind of slow. And all of a sudden I realized, holy cow, that's exactly my story. We live three families to a house, 12 people, 14 on weekends. And um, we didn't tear up the house and we all became citizens and we all, you know, all the kids ended up going to college. And so I, I had to tell that story. It was my story, but I knew we weren't the exception. I knew that we were the rule. And so I had to tell the story and set things straight. I love it. And it is such a powerful and important and beautiful story. So thank you for telling it. It really, really is. Neil, what was it that struck you the most when you saw the manuscript? What made you want to acquire it? Well, there were so many things. I mean, uh, the first thing I, I caught, because the original title was The Little House or Una Casita, and it, that brought me immediately back to Virginia Lee Burton, one of my favorite books, and to do a book about a little house, but a book that has uh, an entirely different meaning uh, for those of us who are living in 2021. That was really thrilling. And I thought Terry just did an amazing job of describing her own story in a way that was accessible to young kids. Um, and you know, it was working with Terry on it was a pleasure. I've just been going through all of our emails, Terry, and I keep saying love, <laughs> love, 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 love. I love, I love. 
it really sort of picked me up this morning just to review all of that stuff. Um, but that was it. I mean, the emotional core of the story touched me deeply and, uh, and because it was such a positive and uplifting story, um, it was something I had to do. It was probably one of the easiest acquisition decisions I've ever made. That makes sense. Wow. (laughs) Wow. So Jennifer, can you give us a look into the illustrator selection process? Neil and I just sort of said, Raul, and that was it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. There we go. <laughs> yeah, I always wanted to work with Raul, uh, and and we, you know, had, um, but he just seemed. I mean, there are so many different uh, plays we were juggling about the story because, and one of them, again, I'm reviewing my editorial notes. Is, you know, this is a book that came out of Terry's own experience in the '60s, but everything she wrote about is just as relevant in 2020. Definitely working Absolutely. on. Absolutely. And, you know, did we want to make it a period piece? Do, did we want to make it clearly uh, early 60s? Did we want to leave it vague so that it could be just as relevant for kids today? Um, and then what was the time frame of the book? How long did it take for these events to take place over the course of the book's action? And Raul just kept popping into my head, Raul, Raul, Raul. And so I was so thrilled when he agreed to do the book. And so was I. So perfect. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. <laughs> During that time. That's wonderful. Raul, what was it about the book that made you want to say yes to working on it? Oh, it's because it was easy. And I'll tell you why it was easy. <laughs> because uh, my wife is Cuban. They actually immigrated, uh, came, you know, under duress avoiding Fidel. So it was kind of their story in a way. Uh, the only difference they didn't live in a, they didn't have to live in a house like that because they had, you know, there was family living in New York, but you know, they came from a beautiful tropical Island. They ended up here in, in the middle of winter. <laughs> oh my. Uh, totally. You know, they didn't know the language or anything. So very uh, trying times. So it, yeah, I could relate to it very easily. Uh, their family also, who immigrated, were I mean Im- immigrants. They immigrated. They also went through a lot of ordeals. So book was perfect. It was the same experience Terry had. The same kind of thing that uh, you you go through when you come move from one place to another to another country, which I am. Uh, Imagine the Ukrainians are suffering that right yes. now. And so it's that kind of uh, feeling. So yes, the book was going to be very easy to you know, relate to and draw. It does. It's just so relevant. No matter When you read this book, in 20 years, it'll still be relevant. And 20 right. years ago, it would have been relevant. Right. So Terry... Can you give us a look into your writing process? Well, this one was so easy to write, too. You know, uh, I, I do want to say something to what Raul just said. He got Cubans right. You know, all those people look like they could have been my family. The man looks like he could have been my father. So kudos to you, Raul. Thank you. My process was very quick, and it's, it's not normally that quick. Um, I wrote it. I was looking. I did just like Daniel did. I went back to my notes, and I wrote it in about a month and a half is the time. 
from, from my first draft to when I sent it to uh, Natalie Lacosta, my agent. And uh, I wrote it, um, that I wrote it even more from the point of view of La Casita. Um, it, it was more of a, you know, there wasn't anybody who stayed in La Casita in the, in the beginning. And then there was, an, there was a section in which there were the many Americans that came and talked about how bad it was to have so many people living in a house and I had to have my, you know, the, the young girl be a hero and save everybody in order for everybody to be accepted. It was a pleasure to work with him and it was so easy. It's kind of like you, I, I don't know, there was one conversation in which we just went through the book. You know, we had many things happen. You know, one of the things is that Neil tells me, why don't we try this? And I tried because I was a work for hire person. I still am. A work for hire person and you man you you respond real quickly and okay I did that I did that I did that and then we just went back to the beginning and we sat down and we we worked through everything and and I don't know what part Neil came up with and I don't know what part I came up with but the synergy was amazing and it was like having this fairy godmother over me hovering saying yeah that's exactly what we want to do and I didn't know that I was doing the right thing but it was the right thing and he was you know he was guiding me and it was an absolute pleasure it, it was just a wonderful, wonderful experience. Um, but it was interesting that in the beginning, uh, I knew that this was a 1961 story and, and Neil knew that it was a 2021 story. And uh, so when we both went to, oh, well, yeah, it could work. It, it, was, a, it, it, it was a really interesting and uh, gratifying moment that you could say, hey, this, this, is a, this is a universal story and it's universal to all cultures, not just Cubans. Right. Exactly. First lines that we talk as authors are always so, so important. Hook the reader and, and keep them wanting to turn the page. I'm wondering about your first line because it hit me right from the start. You know, it was a little house, una casita. Is that how it always started? That's the way it always started. Yeah. And yeah. the other thing it always started with, because this is the image that I always, and the scent that I always have <laughs> in my mind is it smelled like old socks. Yeah. <laughs> the genius of, of, a, of a good writer who can just, in, in a handful of words, come uh, sum it up, a sensory experience that perfectly described what that house was like when they found it. And I know right. one of the things we worked on with Raul was making the house look shabby and neglected and not too fancy and not too uh, pristine and having it evolve over time because I see that little house as a central character in the book. Um, maybe even, the, you know, along with Esperanza, the, the, the protagonist of the book, the un, um, unheard from protagonist of the book that kind of grows and changes over the course of the span of the, of the book. And, you know, there was one thing that we talked about that is that I wanted things even, I mean, the house wrote, uh, the house was shabby, but I wanted the people to be even shabbier and everything. And, and how, uh, and I think, uh, and, and Neil talked about this and they said that the, the people needed to have dignity and that's the truth. You know, you're, yeah, you're poor, but you have dignity. And I thought, wow, that's absolutely perfect. And that's exactly the way it came out. Yeah. It did. It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. And I love her name, Esperanza. It's so perfect. <laughs> can you, just so the, the listeners know, can you tell us a little bit about your choice for her name 
and what it means? Uh, there was always an element of hope. Originally, she was called Estrella, and my thought was that she was a star of hope, Estrella de, de Esperanza. But then we came up, we we ended up with Esperanza, which means hope, and that that kind of that that came out in the idea of the collage when we uh, when we have her make a collage to to put on her walls. That was when I was when I we first came to our first casita, not not the one that the one where my family just the four of us lived, my room was only collages that I had made. And so that that was very organic for me to say, oh, there's a collage. And now she has hope, which is what it means, uh, what what she has found, what they have found in their new home. And, uh, and it really was wonderful that her name, you know, have her name be Esperanza. I think that was something that came out in that one long conversation that we had. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then we made the decision in the collage to put the words both hope and Esperanza right. into the collage because we wanted it to have resonance for Spanish speakers as well. And then I want to mention the Spanish edition of the book, which came out simultaneously. Um, and the title is La Casita de Esperanza, which has a double meaning in Spanish. It is her name, of course, but it's also the little house of hope. Mm. Yeah. And we chose to leave it. We chose to leave it all in lowercase to show that it was hope rather than her name. Yeah. Yeah. I love those little well thought out details. And it's, you know, it's funny. Uh, I mean, one doesn't often speak of this, but I'm doing more simultaneous Spanish editions of books uh, these days. And it's a complicated process. Uh, and I remember asking Terry if she wanted to do the translation and uh, and we had to work through that, having mostly worked through the English. And <laughs> Terry, maybe you can talk a little bit about your experience. Doing yeah, that, that was the most amazing thing because uh, I if, if somebody else translated, it's like giving your child up for somebody else to rear. And when, when uh, Neil gave me the opportunity, it was like, it was the most wonderful thing. And it was a very intricate experience. Um, you know, my, my, my Spanish is a 12 year old uh, Spanish. And so, and it's a very Cuban Spanish. And one of the things that I did, which was interesting was I sent this to one of my cousins who's, um, you know, she, she teaches uh, teachers of ESL. And so she said, oh, no, 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 you're using too many Cuban things, you know, um, out, you know, you need to use autobus instead of guagua and, you know, things like that. And I went, oh, I really want to use the Cuban stuff. So I asked Neil and Neil said, absolutely go with the Cuban stuff. But he had a, another fairy godmother standing over me, Ada, who helped me um, make everything grammatically correct. But now when we did the translation, some of the things came out better in Spanish than they had in English. So then we went back and changed the English. And it was, it was a back and forth. And of course, all, all of that was, you know, Ada and I would work and then uh, then uh, Neil would come, come in and say, oh yeah, we can do that. Um, and uh, it, it was very, very, um, it was intricate. It was, a, it was a dance and it was, um, I think we came up with a wonderful, wonderful two books that are very, very parallel. That's so exciting. I agree. Definitely. Jennifer, I know design-wise, when when did you come into the process? Was it 
during the editing portion or was it once the, the text was set? Everything is happening all at the same time. We set the text originally. We give it to Raul. He starts working on roughs. We start going back and forth on that while the text is being worked on. So it's all happening all at the same time. There's no separation. <laughs> and we, because we, as Terry said, because we continued working on the text, uh, even after Raul had the manuscript and stuff, he had to be a little fleet footed to, to, to deal with our changes. So it really was a collaborative process all the way through. Wow. Well, I do want to hear from you, Raul, what was your illustration process for this book? Well, um, like always, we uh, every every artist I know so far, uh, we always have to start with sketches uh, and scribbles. Um, I, I was trying to print some stuff out of the computer, but I bought a new one and it won't accept what I had in my old one. So I had to I have to go through a process and it wasn't it wasn't going to happen. Technology. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I don't know if it's hard, to, it's hard to see in white paper, but, uh, you know, you, you, you sketch crazy things. And um, I, that's how I started with uh, whether I start with every book. I always do this kind of thing where I have faces, if I have children or people, and I try different looks. Hmm. So that's one of the things you do. You start building up the characters and deciding which face you want to use. If you want to be very realistic. If you want to keep it a little uh, more, you know, loose, um, those are decisions you make before you start anything. So I kind of kept it a little loose, but as realistic as possible so these people would have personality. And you had quite a cast, Raul, because the whole point of the story is that more and more people begin to <laughs> yes. and people come and go and you have to keep them to the yes, different hairstyles, you know who has long hair, who has short hair. Actually, I, I went through a lot of, and Google and Googled a lot of immigrants, pictures of immigrants walking in when they were crossing the border. And so I, I looked at those as reference also. And I, so I chose some faces that I thought might work for what I was looking for. And that way it's more authentic. Plus the fact that, uh, like I said, half of my family is human, so I know Uncle Bill, Uncle Joe, whatever, and I took from everybody. I, I, and I know how they speak and all that stuff. So I, I put all those elements together. You did a stunning it, job. Yes, it really is beautiful. We have one last question for everyone. Jennifer, we'll start with you. When someone reads this book, what do you hope they feel or learn? I hope they recognize that everybody in the book is just like they are. This, this whole business of separating immigrants and treating them like they're something other really drives me crazy. And, and I think when you read this book, you just see that they're regular people. I think it's really important for kids to read that, realize it, and, and not have all these negative thoughts towards people who just want a decent life. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Absolutely. Neil, how about you? I think it's a book about uh, connecting with people and a book about appreciating other people and a book that doesn't feel didactic uh, or lesson-y. It's just a very natural flowing book that tells the story of one particular house and one particular family. And, you know, I have a very high 
a didactic meter. I have a didactic meter that, that is very, very easily. And I always try to ensure that the story is the most important element and that the, the quote unquote lessons that can come out of it are buried sort of deep in the story. And I, I, I think that we succeeded thanks Definitely. to the of uh, Terry and Raul here. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, what about you, Ro? What do they hope they feel or learn? Yeah, they uh, same thing. I, they should know that these are real people who have uh, ambitions and they they want to get somewhere, just like the Irish did, just like the Italians did, just like uh, anybody who lived in the Lower East Side of New York in the 1800s did. You know, it's, it's happened over and over. It's the same story over and over. And... Uh, like uh, Neil said, the best part of the book is that it's just a story about a family. But it, we know they're immigrants and we know that the people who joined them are also. So it, it's told in such a natural way that uh, I think children will relate to it, even, even if they're not immigrants themselves, you know, even though we all are. But they, they, they'll... they'll take it as something that happens it's a natural thing for people who come from another country and live here and that's it so i think it is good in that way Mm, absolutely terry how about you i guess what what everybody's saying makes my heart sing because that's exactly what i wanted uh the book to say that what i wanted um young readers to get from it um I want young readers to, uh, when they see someone who may not speak English or who may be just a little bit darker than they are, to reach out a hand of friendship. And the other thing that I wanted to show was how difficult it is to to leave a country and how it's not a decision that people make on on a whim. Uh, one thing that I've been toying with is is for my author visit to say to to think about have have students think about. What would they bring in that one suitcase? What would they bring in that one backpack? Like the Mexican family only had a backpack. And what would you leave behind? And um, what what I would have left, what I had to leave behind was my grandmother. I never got to see her again. And I think that's an extension that you can, you know, that you what you can think about when you're reading, when when young readers are reading this book. So I'm very grateful to uh, Neil to have given me the opportunity to tell this story and to Raul to bring it to to life with such joy. A big thank you to Terry, Raul, Neil, and Jennifer for joining us today and giving us a look into the creative process for The Little House of Hope. Check out the show notes to learn more about Terry and Raul and the other fabulous books they have out in the world. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss an episode and we would love it if you would leave a review. Thanks for listening and happy happy looking. Picture Book Look is produced by Kirsty Call and Kim Chafee. Music by James Call.